topics and issues from the lens of two Khmerican sisters and other diverse community leaders. Today's topic is a Q&A with me, Jasmine, and Melissa, the two Khmerican sisters. Today, we're going to take a moment to chat with all of you. We feel like ever since we've launched our podcast and our website, we haven't actually taken the time to just reflect and chat about everything that's been happening. We have been so excited about our big launch, and it's been a little bit over a month now. Yep. So we've been getting some questions from our podcast listeners and Instagram followers. So a couple of weeks ago, we had asked you guys to send in some questions, and now we want to answer them in more detail because it's really hard to explain, you know, our answers by um, direct messaging and it's just hard to go in depth. So we're going to take a moment to talk to you guys. All right. So the first question is pretty much a check-in and how are you feeling about everything? I've been shocked at how much support we've gotten. Um, Initially, Melissa and I thought we would launch our website. We would make the Instagram and work on it here and there, but we didn't expect so many people to quickly support us. So thank you so much for that. (laughs) Yeah, I feel like we've been going like 100 miles per hour. (laughs) I don't know how you feel about that. That's how I feel. Um, Just because there's a lot that happens behind the scenes. And, you know, when you see a post, sometimes you think, okay, you know, that might take Mm -hmm. a couple of minutes. But in actuality, it does take a bit of time for us to think through what we're planning to promote, um, you know, the type of content we're developing, even to like designing the post itself. You know, there's a lot. She spends a lot of time. Yeah, there's a lot that happens behind the scenes. And, you know, prior to our project, I laid low from social media and I'm not used to posting so much. So that's been, I think, a learning curve for me. Mm Yeah. Yeah. But we're excited that there's a lot of people that are interested in our project and a lot of our followers are Khmer Americans, which is amazing. That's the initial target audience we wanted to have. And we're trying to incorporate more communities too. Yeah. So a lot more ahead, but for now we're really happy with (laughs) I know. Yeah, we're really happy with how things have turned out and we we look forward to the coming months and even the coming year because we're at the end of 2020 already. What a year. What a (laughs) year it's been. Um, All right. So next question. Okay. What's been the most surprising thing about launching this passion project? I think for me, I want to highlight the people that we've met, seeing all of the projects that we're involved in, the professions that we're all in. We've gotten to know people from the Khmer community who are teachers, immigration lawyers, Um, influencers, podcasters, all of these people that I had no idea about Mm -hmm. before we started this project. Okay, yeah, I have to agree with you on that. And also, I am so grateful for the response that we've been getting from everyone wanting to be on our podcast show. Yeah, Yeah, we didn't really expect that. At first, like when we talked about this back in July, we're like, okay, we're going to release two episodes per month. One will be just us yeah. chatting and the other one will be maybe a guest speaker. Yeah. And then, you know, we've <laughs> turned that up a couple of notches. <laughs> Way yeah. up. But I think it's really great because it's nice to get to know you on a personal level and yeah. also to have a platform to share your stories and your perspectives. And 
yeah, I think we'll, we're just going to keep with that format, but I think we're probably going to slow down a little bit just to make sure we can balance everything else. Yeah. Um, wait, I had a thought. Oh, yeah. And with our podcast, we want to feature people who normally don't get the spotlight. So people mm-hmm. who are in our communities that are doing amazing things. <laughs> that was my dog. He's playing with his <laughs> Oh, toy. are you going to keep that? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Mumu's always doing something over there. He's such a distraction. Yeah, yeah, so we want to highlight people who you normally won't hear about in the news or the magazines or YouTube, you know. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, we're happy to be that platform for everybody. Yep. Yeah. Okay, next question. What lessons have you learned? Okay, uh, I can go first (laughs) since you went first for the last couple of questions. Mm -hmm. I think one of the major lessons learned from this past month is yes we're getting a lot of advice from other from other people in general you know even Mm -hmm. from our mom like you know this is what i think you should do maybe you should consider this are you going to talk about you know this topic so we're getting a lot of you know different inputs and we do want to stay true to our mission and what we wanted to do with this project so I think we just need to center ourselves and then think about why we're doing this in the first place and then try to keep it within our scope because we do have full-time jobs too. So it's just hard for us to want to do everything. So we can't say yes to everything Mm -hmm. just because of our capacity. Um, But we would love to someday, you know, Um, but it's only been one month and we'll just see where this will go. (laughs) But we do need to sometimes, you know, just, just make sure it's within our scope. Yeah, and you you said a month, but it feels like so much longer than that. It really has so much. <laughs> it's, I know it's actually felt like maybe half a year. <laughs> yeah, I feel like there was a point in the project where I just felt like I was doing so much of one side, and I wasn't able to do the other side. So I was posting a lot of the features, but I wasn't doing enough blog posts. And then there were certain points where I didn't have inspiration to write anything so and I feel like for me with the creative process sometimes you can't be doing it like every day or every week some sometimes you have to just wait to be inspired or you know take some time to really think about what you want to do so I think I've been having a challenge with posting things regularly and also making sure that there they are things that I feel proud about and that are quality things that people would find value in so I think that's where I struggled with mm, like yeah. making sure that we're posting things that we want, like you said, mm-hmm. and making sure that it's reflective of, yeah, again, the whole reason why we started this whole thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. So, so yeah, um, I think it's great that we're posting regularly mm-hmm. and we're reminding each other that. Look up our true purpose. Yeah, of our true purpose, reminding each other that it's our platform, mm-hmm. you know, and if you want to post something, we should just post it, Yeah, it, you know, and it doesn't, it'll appeal to not everybody, but maybe to someone out there. So, mm-hmm. so we want to reach anybody. Um, and we're trying not to be so focused on the f- amount of followers, amount of likes. Um, sometimes here and there will be like, how come that post didn't get as many likes? <laughs> mm-hmm. Or how come this article doesn't have any comments? You know, sometimes we ask that, but we try to remind ourselves that, 
someone within all the followers that we have, someone out there is reading our stuff and looking at our stuff, even if they might not be engaging with it. So, yeah. So, yeah, just making sure we keep grounded, I guess. Yeah, that's a really great um, (laughs) summary. (laughs) Um, So what's been the most rewarding thing about this project? Um, I can go first with this one. I think, I think it's just about connections. Before, all we did was work and Mm -hmm. go to school. We weren't really involved in the Khmer community. And, you know, we'll volunteer here and there, but it was always maybe at the food bank or, you know, or through our work. Mm -hmm. And we didn't know many community leaders or influencers. So, you know, we came into this project, went on social media, brand new, like not knowing anyone. And I think the most rewarding thing about this project is building those connections in the Khmer community and non-Khmer community. So it's just expanding our network, which is awesome. Because now, you know, we know people in different states and Mm -hmm. countries. And it's just amazing that we're bringing unity, you know, in our community. Especially during this pandemic, too. And that's, we started this project during this pandemic. And the fact that we feel really connected with our community, that's amazing. And I would also say, to add on to that, um, it's been amazing to see the responses from the people that we work with. So with the features, um, we are so excited to see many different people, people that we don't know, submitting something about themselves and feeling very empowered when they see their posts on our Instagram, on our website, and sharing that with their communities. And also businesses of color, too, that we've reached out to so far. Um, All of them, thank you so much. You've been so grateful to be on our platform. And I'm amazed because we're really new. And then people are so excited to be on there. So I know. It's amazing. Yeah. I don't think we expected this amount of response in collaboration with other influencers and business owners. (laughs) All right, next set of questions. How well do you guys work together? And are you guys similar or different? (laughs) (laughs) I'd say for the most part, we work well together. Yeah. And we know each other, you know, we know each other's work style and Mm. work ethic. I think we have similar work ethic, but Jasmine might disagree with that. (laughs) Because I, okay, so I am a workaholic. Yeah, like at the beginning of the project, all Musa could talk about and do was was the project. And for me, it was the summertime, so I did want to have like my boundaries. Like from this time to this time, we can work on stuff. And then after that, I want to have my own time to do Mm -hmm. my own things. And then now that school is starting up and I'm going to be teaching, I especially need that like boundary there. I think in general with Melissa's full-time job, she's very committed to it. Like, she could work hours if she wanted to, um, to get things done ready. Like, to get things ready for the next day. Yeah. And is that project manager mindset, always thinking ahead and preparing? Also, I don't think this passion project would have started if this pandemic didn't occur. I know Mm -hmm. as bad as that sounds. I think the silver lining of social distancing is having all that time back, not commuting you know you can't really go out and have any plans so I was used to filling up my time with work working overtime you know commuting so I never really had any extra time and now I have all this extra time back (laughs) and because I'm a workaholic that's 
all I think about. And I feel, I tend to fill up my time. I know mm-hmm. that's not good and some, that's something I'm working on, but it's kind of a part of me. It's always been a part of me for a very long time. But I think we balance each other out because she'll be super focused. Not to say that I'm not committed, mm-hmm. but she can be super extra. She's going to call me extra. And then for me, I'm a little bit more calm and like, you know, well, I'm trying in my teaching life to have that balance mm-hmm. with work in projects in self-care and working out and stuff like that. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, I think we remind each other, mm-hmm. you know, on both do. sides. Yeah. So, but so I, I, I would say, you know, even though we're sisters, we're, we're different. Mm-hmm. We have some similarities, but then, you know, we're our own person and I would say we're very different. Yeah. yeah. Um, but we do have the same values mm-hmm. about things, which is super important. And, you know, if we have differences or we have arguments, <laughs> you know, that's happened a couple of times. We know that we can work things out. And yeah. at the end of the day, we're both sisters. We're going to be in each other's lives forever. So, yeah. you know, sometimes when we have differences, we do come together at the end. We try to hear each other out, even though sometimes it's hard. <laughs> yeah. Though so this project definitely will keep us connected. Yeah, yeah, so we're excited about that and the potential of it. So. Okay, next question. Mm-hmm. Who does what behind the scenes? Do you need to go first? Yeah, so I do most of the planning, I would say, for the podcasting mm-hmm. and for Instagram, like in terms of what to post. Mm-hmm. And then I'll get Jasmine's feedback because she's really good at writing. <laughs> Her English is a lot better than mine. <laughs> So then I always need her to help proofread or come up with, you know, like captions. I don't know why that's always hard for me to come up with. (laughs) And I design, you know, the Instagram post Mm -hmm. um, and also some of the banners on our website. Yeah. Yeah. And she also edits the episodes, Mm -hmm. um, make make sure that they're uploaded onto the website, Mm -hmm. onto Anchor, all those platforms. Yeah. And come up with the podcast. Yeah. But she spends a lot of time listening back to the episode making sure to cut out any like ums and um, long awkward silences yeah we had an episode where we heard a fire alarm (laughs) beep beep every like five minutes (laughs) and i had to listen through the whole episode to take out all the beeps just so that it doesn't cause you know our listeners to be annoyed (laughs) but um (laughs) yeah it's like things like that um i do spend a lot of time editing the episodes and listening back to it mm-hmm. just to make sure they're quality content and yeah. quality production but i really appreciate most of you doing that because it's a lot of <sighs> You're work welcome. Yeah. <laughs> and it sounds like our listeners are thankful for mm-hmm. that they think it's pretty really professional so yeah well what do you do behind the <laughs> scenes <laughs> so for me i feel like i've been the one it's kind of organically been this way we just kind of figure things out and it'll change probably in the future But for me, I feel like I gravitated towards the website, so making sure that it's updated. So at the beginning, I was really focused on building our community map for the features section um, because I wanted wanted it to look big so that people could feel excited about submitting one. And I also wanted to kind of fill up the categories too. So I spent a lot of time on that. And 
it seems like that's the most popular section mm-hmm. right now on our website. Yeah, Jasmine came up with the whole features oh, section. Yeah. So she's the, the mastermind behind that. Yeah, it's been exciting to see it come to life and to see the response that it's been given. Mm-hmm. And I also make sure that we have blog posts up. So I contact people of color businesses that I know or that we've met through this project. Um, and I do a phone interview with them super quick. Um, and I just kind of write up something for them to make them feel good <laughs> and to have them share it. Other blog posts that I've done are in the lifestyle section, um, just to have different topics starting in there and also the diverse resources section. So I've been trying to build certain parts. Oh, and also the recipes too, <laughs> which has been a struggle. Sorry for people. I know that people looked at it and maybe they're expecting more. I don't know if anyone used any of our mom's recipes yet, but it just took me like a month. No, 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 no. Two months <laughs> to just post the recent one. Yeah, she has yeah. to do some translation. <laughs> yeah, so I, I've been doing the features, lifestyle, the recipes, the diverse resources, just to make sure that we have at least one blog post each week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so it's that she doesn't have to worry about doing too much. Yeah. Because for Melissa, she told me that she it takes her a little bit of time to think about what to write and crafting it. So if she's doing a lot of stuff on her, her end, I would rather be the one that's like making sure the website is updated. And yeah, there's a lot of stuff that we still haven't covered yet. So that's why I've been pressed to put things up there so that it can kind of build over time. And I'm excited to be able to look back and see like all of the things that we've written about. Jasmine also manages our email inbox and yeah, responds too, to but... comments on Instagram <laughs> and direct messages. Oh, Sometimes yeah. I don't get around to them. Jasmine's we try to quicker, balance it out. But we do try to balance it out, yeah. Yeah. All right, next yeah. question. <laughs> uh, next question. How do you balance between working full-time and a passion project? Well, this project was made during the summertime. And as a teacher, I have the summers off, like until August. So um, at that point, I was more open to like scheduling things. And in August, I've started to go to staff meetings and do like a practice week with the kindergartners. So I think... Um, I've just been trying to communicate my schedule with Melissa as much as possible and also letting her know times when I am going to be out somewhere doing something and I won't have time to do a podcast episode. Mm -hmm. Um, And I also communicate with her like what things that week that I've done that she can promote. Um, So we have a system of like just keeping each other updated um, about what's happening. And yeah, I think obviously our work family, boyfriends, like um, all of that is what comes first. And then our passion project, we keep up with kind of daily. Yeah, we do. Yeah, Mm -hmm. you know, some days more than others, but we are checking every day to see, you know, what what our followers have said, um, any messages we've gotten, any emails. And if we ever can't get to something, we we make time for that sometime in the week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we communicate that with each other. So if one person is busy, the other person can handle it, you know, and we try to kind of spread out our podcast episodes. So they're not like, I don't, we don't really have a due date. Like we don't have a deadline for things. That's like the difference between our podcast and other podcasts that mm-hmm. ours isn't really structured. Like we'll release an episode when we want to well, release an episode. Like that. <laughs> we kind of like to, to have that flexibility. Yeah, so you should 
subscribe. No. You should follow us on those platforms so that whenever we do get a new episode, you'll be notified of that. Yeah. And also check our Instagram too for the latest episodes. So I would say if this pandemic didn't happen, I probably wouldn't have time for this passion project. Mm-hmm. Just That's because true. I normally work the regular 40-hour work week and then on top of that, 10 hours of overtime. So my weeks are usually 50 hours plus every week. And you know, when I had school, yeah, work, I worked full time, I worked overtime, and I had an MBA program part time. Those were the most challenging years of my life. Mm-hmm. And because I got through that experience, it was three and a half years. This is really nothing to me, you know, because I've been given extra time back and um, I have been able to balance it between work, uh, the passion project, and then incorporating, you know, hobbies into my life too but like i said it helps because we're social distancing if we're not i would have plans like on the weekend and mm-hmm. go out and i think i'd spend less time on the podcast yeah yeah but now that we have supporters mm-hmm. i think when we do start working full-time mm-hmm. like both of us we'll be able to schedule it out yeah you i know? think maybe in the future we'll probably um maybe space it out more because just in this past month, I think we've conducted maybe one or two interviews per week. Mm -hmm. And that takes a lot of time, a lot of time planning and producing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. So I think overall we're doing, you know, a pretty good job of balancing our time, but we do like, we know that we're both busy and Mm -hmm. we're respectful of each other. And then always grounding ourselves back to our original (laughs) mission goals and values (laughs) is really key yeah so now that we have that support i don't think we have to worry too much about updating so often i think the bulk of it was at the beginning of our project when we first launched because people were excited but there wasn't much on the website (laughs) and there were only a few there was only like two two no no the black lives matter oh just a couple episodes yeah Yeah, just a couple episodes we did a mass publish (laughs) of like four episodes that we had recorded before August. Yeah, so we didn't have a lot at the beginning in Mm -hmm. the features, was very small. So so now I think we eventually kind of took a step back. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and we have that momentum there. So I think we'll be able to balance it out. Yeah. Yeah. Why do the API and BIPOC features on your website indicate the age ranges? API stands for Asian Pacific Islander. And BIPOC stands for Black Indigenous People of Color. The reason why I wanted to do that was to provide mentor resources. So now that you are aware of these community leaders, you can now reach out to them and get to know them better. And, you know, that's the reason why we indicated, you know, the 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s and beyond just for, you know, people in our community to connect with someone else who or in a similar age range, or even outside of that. And it's also to highlight that no matter how old you are, you have something to offer. Mm-hmm. So that's why we have teens up until, you know, however the highest it will be. Mm-hmm. And obviously, we want to respect people. So we said um, in our form that we are just going to put an age range. We're not going to put your specific age. Um, in that's to show like the different walks of life that we have and celebrating everyone's experiences, no matter what age they are. Like with your age range, you are a part of a certain generation and you're in a certain stage of life. 
So I kind of wanted to capture like what would happen if we asked the same set of questions for different age of, ages of people. So it's been pretty interesting to see the thoughtfulness behind all the answers. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so thanks for reading. Next question. <laughs> Will your episodes include transcripts for the deaf community in the near future? So that's something that we're working on. We really appreciate the feedback. Um, and I am happy to say that I do um, know the needs of the deaf community because in college, community college and college, I took American Sign Language and I had deaf teachers and they would talk about the challenges that they have navigating the hearing world. Um, so thank you so much for finding our platform and wanting to be um, to have full access to it. So Melissa found a way that we can do that for free with our podcast episode. Yeah, because Anchor doesn't offer the transcribing features like other podcasts, but I also know that it costs money for to transcribe like every word. It's like two to five cents per word. And I don't know, because right now we're not in that financial position to make that leap so then we were trying to figure out okay what's low budget or even free and i found that on microsoft word you can actually play your podcast and then if you click on like a voice to text it'll mm -hmm. record every word onto that microsoft document so i think we're going to play around with that and see if that will work because we do want to be accommodating and make this inclusive you know to all communities so Anything else to add to that? Yeah, and it will probably be on our website under podcasts. We'll include like a transcript for each episode, but we're, we don't know when we're going to have that up since we're starting up. I'm starting up teaching and I'm moving as well. So um, once things are a little bit settled, I'm happy to start doing that. Um, it might not be fast at the beginning because we have a lot of episodes that we haven't done transcripts for. So, yeah. And I'm sorry, my ASL is like not good enough to like translate the episodes. Um, but thank you for listening. Um, and thank you for watching us. Um, we really appreciate it. And hopefully we can like catch up with the transcripts and then with new episodes, we can be a lot faster um, having the transcripts ready. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Great answer. <laughs> okay. This next question is from Nang. Hi, Nang. Any plans to bring awareness of what's happening to the Cambodian people in Cambodia? I think, first of all, I want to say we are not experts into, you know, what's happening in Cambodia, just because we're not living there, you know, we live in the US. So we're not fully aware of what's going on. And, you know, we're more in tuned with what's happening in our country and in major events around the world. So, mm -hmm. you know, we, I follow like NPR and CNN to get my latest information. Um, but if you are wanting to know more about the news in Cambodia, I would highly recommend that you check out mytimeskh.com or phnompenpost.com because these are from journalists you know we're not journalists but yeah. these you know are professional teams who are working to bring to you the, the latest and greatest information of what's happening you know in the community so i would highly recommend that you visit you know those top two news source or other ones that you can find on google from joe boon 
Why do some in our Khmer community condone toxic masculinity and machismo in Cambodian culture? Um, I think it could be what's shown like in our mainstream media, in the Khmer community, like music videos, mm-hmm. movies that we watch that influences our, I guess, grandparents and parents and relatives. Yeah. Uh, viewpoints and um, I think this goes for all communities you know I, I don't think it's just the Khmer community um, but I think because of what we see in the media what's being taught to us that normally shapes you know how we think um, but in terms of our family and how we grew up we had very strong independent women in our fa- family mm-hmm. like our grandma on our maternal side she had a husband they got separated during the war and then you know she's been a single parent ever since and she's been so strong like Mm -hmm. she takes care of her kids and her grandkids and she's always been such a strong woman and then our mom you know we've always looked up to her and she took the role of mom and dad because our dad has mental illness that we'll probably talk about at a later podcast episode. Um, and because she had to take care of my dad and us, she had to cook and take care of his medicine, take, you know, take care of us, make sure we're okay. So, so our family dynamic was a little bit different from that. But when we would go to my parties, the temple, you would see like the ladies in the kitchen cooking. And usually the men were like talking. And, but even within our family, like the men cook, so, yeah, I think just what we see in our community and um, the values that our families have kind of dictate that, like the gender roles. Yeah, and then, yeah. you know, it, my our mom taught us to always be strong and independent, mm-hmm. to be financially stable on our own, to not ever need someone else to depend on. Yeah. So then that's why we're so motivated to, you know, have a good career and, purchase our own car or house, you know, be on our own and know what it's like. So I think we've always been pretty independent. And as far as like toxic masculinity in mainstream media and like the American culture, I I feel like that's changing. Um, Because I feel like there's more like gender neutral roles. Is that how you say it? Or how fluidity yeah there's more fluid fluidity within both genders now and expression i don't think it you know i think if you follow our instagram you know that we like bts yeah we love (laughs) bts yeah and i think they've challenged a lot of that stereotype of you know being masculine and just k-pop in general and k-pop in general because you'll see these guys wearing earrings Mm -hmm. you know they they wear makeup like stage makeup um, they take really good care of their skin, you know, <laughs> so that's, you know, in American culture, you know, feminine, you know, but, so I think they're challenging that, that bias and stereotype. Yeah, and a lot of people hate on that, and I think it comes from that toxic masculinity, like, mm-hmm. how come they they look like girls and like all that mm-hmm. stuff, and I think that just comes from their, like, uncomfortability, but for us, it's like, wow, that's, like, great, you know, like, defying what is usually thought of exactly so yeah yeah and you know millions millions of (laughs) army fans you know in the world love bts so you know that 
that's not really an issue. All right. Okay. Have you visited Cambodia? What was that like? If not, do you plan on it? Okay, so I visited Cambodia, Surak Mai, um, when I was 18. And, you know, growing up, I always asked my mom and my dad, when are we going to visit Cambodia? Like, when are we going to go as a family? And there wasn't really interest on their end to go back. And I wanted to understand, like, what life was like there. And when I got to college, my first year, I, I think I remembered seeing a flyer at the library about a study abroad program to Cambodia. And I was like, okay, I need to talk to my mom first because it was pretty expensive and it was like $7,000. Oh my God, it's a lot of money. So then I needed my mom's approval um, and then she had to figure out how she could pay for that because you know we didn't have that much money. I didn't get that much scholarships, you know, we didn't get a lot of funding to go to college. So I'm really thankful for my mom. Thank you, Matt, for allowing me to go on that study abroad program because that was my first time traveling on my own and traveling outside of the country. And it, it taught me a lot. I felt like a different person coming back and, you know, saw a lot of, um, I guess I saw a lot of issues that were happening because that was what the program was focused on, was visiting non-government organizations, learning about their current issues. So, you know, I went to visit like the prosthetic center and saw people who were missing limbs, even kids, because there are still landmines that are buried and no one knows where they're buried. And if you're in the countryside, you might accidentally step on them. We went, that was one place that we visited. And then, you know, we visited the killing fields, dual slang, the high school that turned into a prison and saw like the torturing devices and they took a picture of all the prisoners. And yeah, that was not a very, uh, that was a very depressing visit because mm-hmm. I remembered I felt so spooked and I was staying by myself in my hotel, you know, mm-hmm. and I, I left the light on like all night just because mm-hmm. I felt so like haunted by that experience. Mm-hmm. But it taught me to be outside of my comfort zone, to learn about our family's history, and also just to be more humble and grateful. Um, I also had the chance to visit our grandpa for the first time and meet him, and also our family on on both of our parents' side. And, you know, I went for a month, so uh, that was a good time to go in December um, because it wasn't too hot and it wasn't during the, the flooding season. And then I went again the second time in 2015 with my significant other. We uh, went to a business conference and then were able to make that extension, you know, like a side trip to Surakamai since it was nearby. And then we saw my mom's family, but only for two days. I know it was so short and I felt bad. But then, you know, when you get older, you don't have as many vacation days. You know, when you're working full time, you only get like one week, two weeks per year if you're lucky. So if you're not a teacher. Yeah, those were my experiences going to Sorkamai. And I haven't been there yet, but just like how Musa said, we have been planning as a family to go um, sometime all together so we could have our parents there to help us. And again, we can understand Khmer, just harder to speak it. But um, yeah, so 
I would love to go with our family whenever we get the chance to. And being a teacher, my summers are kind of open between like late June to like August, early August. So yeah, so something that we want to do, especially now that we can pay for it ourselves, I think it'll be easier yeah. to plan that. All right, next question. Are your family, oh, is your family open about the trauma they experience in Cambodia? And for that, I'll say that over time, they have become a lot more. Um, I know that when Melissa was in high school, she was learning about it at school. She was watching a film. She had us watch a film as a family. Um, and that was really an emotional time. I was still a young child, but I kind of knew what we were looking at. Um, yeah, and I think growing up, our family did um, have issues like that resulted from that trauma. So like our dad, oops, our dad has a mental illness and we think maybe it did come from that time and all of the horrors that he saw. Um, and starting from nothing, coming to this, this country, um, our parents struggled with a lot of finances growing up. Um, but yeah, if you talk to our mom and grandma now, like in our episode, our first episode, you can hear that they laugh about things, even though it's super serious. Um, they'll answer our questions. They're a little bit more open about it now. And with our dad, he has always been someone who speaks very little about things. Um, now that we, well, since our parents got divorced, we did see a change in him. Like he's been talking a lot more with us, getting to know us a lot more. So we're hoping that there'll be a time where we can meet with him and ask him about his experience. Yeah, like our dad's side, we have never heard their stories. And before going to Sorokmai, to Cambodia for the first time, I wanted to find out more from them. And my dad's side were so closed off, they didn't want to talk about it. And they told me not to and to move on. So they pretty much wanted to ignore the past. Hopefully, we can get some of those stories from my dad. Um, it's unfortunate that our grandma, my dad's mom, passed away already. And it's just too bad that we didn't capture her, her voice mm -hmm. while we could. So, I mean, that's the reason why we started the podcast. Yeah. But we're really thankful that our mom and grandma did feel open to share with us. Um, like we shared in the episode, our grandma was very nervous about it. But they recalled their experiences. They can look upon it and kind of laugh and learn from it. And I've been amazed and grateful to hear that people from our community reaching out to us and saying, this is something that I don't ask my families, but I want to now, now that you've done it. Or I've also heard people say, that they're also trying to capture their family stories orally while, the, while we still have time with them. So, so it's been amazing to see that seeing the way that our mom and grandma were with us talking about the genocide has inspired other people to do the same. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. Next question. Do you speak, read, and write in Khmer? So you might have heard, you know, bits and pieces here and there, but we can understand Khmer fluently. Um, obviously, Melissa more so because she's the oldest sister, and I feel like she had more exposure to it, and Jessica had more exposure to it, too. But I can understand, um, but it's harder to speak. So for me, it's very, very broken, um, very, like, 
elementary baby level almost. And it's something that I want to work on for sure. But I've shared that um, that Jessica and I went to my school when we were younger. And I, I don't know what class, Matt, you signed us up for. But when we got there, the kids had already been in school for a little bit. Like, so it was they, like an, an advanced class. They already knew. No, it was like in the middle of the year or something. Oh. Like the kids knew each other. They had uniforms they had their materials the, t- they t- the teacher knew them like a male teacher and i remember like they they were so fast and they said like okay draw this letter like gaw like write gaw whatever and then i would you know i would look at jessica because i was scared that if i didn't have something i would get like punished for it or like embarrassed about it because we had to hold it up so you have to go like that and then hold it up and Jessica and I were like, what do we, what do we do? Because I felt like it was more quizzing than it was teaching. And I don't know, Matt, if you signed us up late or if we were in the wrong like level of class, but it was just not it. Because <laughs> I remember after that first class, first few classes, we, I cried because I was so embarrassed because all the other kids were looking at us and seeing that we didn't have the right answers. So that kind of scarred me a little bit. And then I remember Matt had our aunts our aunties teach us from their homes and we went there like on the weekends and they would teach us the alphabet. Um, but then we had to stop because eventually I started to volunteer like after school and it got busier. So then um, that kind of ended. So yeah, it's something that I definitely want to bring back. Um, it's something that I've always been ashamed about seeing other of my Asian friends speaking their languages and then me just like responding to my mom in English. Like it's something that I've always felt self-conscious about. And if I do have a family in the future, that's something that I do want to pass down. Um, yeah. And I think like as a teacher, I also want to motivate my students to take pride in their language. Um, even now with kindergartners, they're already speaking in English only and not wanting to like be proud of their language. So I think it's a common issue with immigrant children, like like immigrant families and children from immigrant families. Because when you're in the school system, American school system, you just speak English with your peers and that's what you want to do um, all the time. So. <laughs> <laughs> that was my attempt. <laughs> I think if I force myself to, I probably can speak my, but I don't speak my every day. That's the thing. We only mm. see our family Thanksgiving and Christmas. That's it. In here and there. And then we see our mom, but then our mom speaks to us back in English. Mm-hmm. Like, Khmer and English together sometimes. So it's not every day that we're speaking this. We're not immersed in it. So, of course, we're obviously going to forget it, you know. And, you know, I studied Spanish in high school and college, and I can understand Spanish, but it's hard for me to speak it. So I think that's interesting, too. But it really depends on how much you're learning and what's retaining, like, inside your, in your brain, you know? Yeah, and I think it's because of the communities that we're in. Like, mm-hmm. we're not around many Khmer people. Um, and Melissa shared that when she went to Cambodia, so Khmer, she was able to gain a lot of it back when mm-hmm. she was there because she had to use it like that was her tool to get around yeah yeah so I think I think I need to work on getting like learning more vocabulary and 
there are many Instagrammers that teach Khmer that I've been following, like in learning about through this project. So it's been nice to hear Khmer daily with their videos that have been so helpful. So, so yeah, we're working on it, and we're not ashamed of it anymore. Like we want to try. And get there to mm-hmm. be fluent. At least the basics. Yeah, you know, we don't have to be advanced. No, not advanced, but enough to speak well. Yeah, yeah. And I think reading and writing would help to be able to like read. <laughs> <laughs> so motivating. Okay. Yeah, and like reading and writing will help to learn vocabulary on our own, and to read like news articles and things like that. But. We'll see if we can get there in books. <laughs> <laughs> that was so funny. <laughs> My brain. All right, last question. What are some future topics we can expect to hear on this podcast? So, for future topics, we also want to banter back and forth about um, about us. You know, this yes. is really nice to just have the two of us talk and chat and. Yeah. We want to talk about our life story, our personal experiences. Yeah, we still want to highlight leaders in our community, um, but we also want to have that balance of us being able to, like, talk about different topics. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> we want to balance having our episodes where we get to talk about topics and issues that we're interested in. So, we have a running list of ideas. So just be on the lookout for the latest episodes and. Yeah, if you have suggestions, you're welcome to fill out the podcast form and you can indicate what topics you'd be interested to be a part of. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. So that is the end of the Q&A, our very first Q&A. So thank you for sending all your questions in. You know, we'd still like to be able to answer your questions if you'd like to send more in um, to our Instagram or um, our mailbox at sisters at gmail.com and yeah we felt that that this was an important conversation that's needed in order to connect with our you know loyal listeners and now that we have grown our following we just want to make sure we're connecting with all of you okay well thank you for tuning in today and we are again so proud of the content that we've made and to have such a positive response has been amazing to see so Please keep sharing our stuff. I'm inviting your friends to like our things, to follow us, to listen to our podcast. And we are most active on Instagram at Two American Sisters. So on our Instagram, we make updates about our podcast and our website. So if all of that is kind of too much, <laughs> you can just follow our Instagram and know what the latest things we've done are. And um if you want to follow our podcast, you can follow us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, so that way you can get notified. And yeah, check out our website at twokmarkinsisters.com. If you haven't looked through the features, the blog posts, um, the, di- <laughs> the diverse resources, please check them out. Um, they're there for you. So whenever you have time, you can look and read and we would love for you to comment. All right. Yeah, Thanks, you everyone. <laughs>